You said you'd come. Now let's hope you're not too late. Relax, Alfred. I'll take it from here. Welcome to the Suicide Squadcast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we are all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and of small screens, and we want to make sure we talk all about it. So let's get started. Thanks for joining us tonight. My name is Scott. And I am Tim, and we are the Suicide Squadcast. Scott, we have a big week this week. We finally. We finally. We've had like... <laughs> uh, we've, we've it's been dead. Like, it's been kind of dead. I mean, it actually, it's worked out great, just because both <laughs> you and I have been pretty busy. Yeah. And so it's it's been kind of nice to have like a little bit of a slow you know week of news and all that but like three weeks in a row of just slow news is like okay I was starting to give it like okay we need something we need something to chew on well it, it, it makes it makes the show not so fun to record because you're like I really don't give a crap about what we're talking about <laughs> well wasn't it essentially our uh, what we decided to do at the end of the show last week oh yeah it was like blow ourselves up because we were so boring blow ourselves up we were so boring <laughs> it's not gonna be boring tonight guys oh man we got Ugh. we got some fun stuff to talk about quick reminder guys. Uh, we have a couple other shows in the network that we sponsor, the Squadcast Network. We have Fans Without Borders with Ray and Brent, and they are just kicking some butt, apparently, Scott. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. You should you should listen to it sometime. You know? <laughs> I, just, I haven't caught the bonus episode, but I heard it is, it is it, as as uh, as Brent would say, it is a must listen. <laughs> <laughs> right. Brent would say that. Brent uh-huh. would definitely say that. Oh, yeah, he would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was put out Monday. So it is a must listen episode. So you guys need to just jump on to Fans Without Borders and listen to the bonus episode. You were trolling Brent so much and i love it <laughs> uh. <laughs> and then of course we also have dc comic squad cast with chris and jordan and they are they're teasing some fun stuff yes especially with the release of metal number two this week yeah. which i have not read yet but i cannot wait to read i've heard amazing things i've also heard that you need to read metal before you read the teen titans tie-in so oh, okay you're talking about metal two you have to read first you need to read metal two and then read the teen titans tie-in for the week gotcha well that's good to know that's good to know so looking very forward to that um um, so guys, if you feel like we deserve it, leave us a review on iTunes, and uh, you know, and if you do, we automatically enter you into a DC trade paperback giveaway, and we are actually three away. No, we're one away because we get two tonight. Yes, and and we will soon be one away. So, um, like is like I said, if you feel like we deserve it, leave us a positive written review on iTunes, and you will be entered into this contest or giveaway, we'll call it, and you have a one in ten chance of getting a DC trade paperback, fifteen dollars or less, and we got two. The first one from the UK. Can I read this one? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We haven't gotten a UK one in uh, maybe I know, a month and, or so. And UK has usually months. been a big one for us. Yeah. So, well, this one's from Charlie Husky one five eight called Quality Podcast. Uh, I found this podcast in June and started from episode one. I'm sorry. Good lord. <laughs> What's wrong <Whoa>. with you? <laughs> Although I had seen all the films and CW series, even though I knew what was going to happen in each film and two episode, I loved listening to your guys' speculation on casting and how things were going to play out. Only problem for me is now I'm caught up and I can't listen to hours on end every day. Thanks for my guilty pleasure, and please never stop. No. <laughs> well, we don't plan on stopping anytime soon, and we're sorry you had to listen to some of our <laughs> earlier episodes. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, have you gone back and listened to any of those, Scott? Oh, I, no, 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 <laughs> no. I don't, I, I have no, I have no sadism or masochism in me, <laughs> and so I don't want to inflict that upon myself. Yeah, it, just a reminder, guys, that when we started the show two years ago, neither Scott or I were podcasters. I, I didn't even no. know how to produce. <laughs> we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> I knew how to talk. That's and that hasn't changed in two years. Yeah, Scott was definitely a talker. Um, so he he was definitely carrying the show. I mean, because the rest of the time I was just sitting there worried about whether I was recording on my end correctly or not. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I'm always always amazed at uh, people that will go back and listen to news episodes from two years ago. <laughs> I know, really amazed by. It. But man, good for you, man, Charlie. Good we for appreciate, you. Yeah, appreciate the the feedback and all that. And thanks for the downloads. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and we would also say. Hey, like we said, you know, we got a couple other shows. Um, you can, you got Fans Without Borders. You can go listen to all those. DC Comics Squadcast. You also have DC TV Squadcast, which is on hiatus right now. I won't say for how long, but got a bunch of episodes there you can listen to. Well, how about you go ahead and read the second one we got this week? Yeah, so this one is from Professor Hallweg, and it's titled Stumbled on This. And Hallweg says, Gentlemen, thanks for being an easy listen that highlights DC facts and moments throughout the DCEU, pre to post-production of the many upcoming projects and the 
the contributions involved with them. You've moved up my priority list of podcasts. The only drawback, it's only once a week, but I get it with life and, you know, life. There are only so many hours in a week, but yours is worth it. <laughs> thank Aww, you so much. Thank appreciate you. it. Appreciate it. And uh, I appreciate the enthusiasm of trying to, you know, uh, guilt trip us into doing, you know, more than one a week. Yeah, that's not going to happen. It's not, just not going to happen. Not, yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. Between the two of us, we got four kids that we're taking care of. And, you know, they're obviously big priorities. And two wives. And that's, yeah, 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 them too. Them too. Yeah. yeah. Let's not forget about them, Scott. Yeah, I know. <laughs> kids came from somewhere. That's right. We are one away from the next giveaway. And that we will probably be giving one away next week. So I can't wait to find out who it is. I know. Um, I got to tell you, Warner Brothers is having a really nice time right now. Before we start talking about Warner Brothers news, I saw it last weekend. Oh, oh so good. <sighs> I, I know. I just have to. I have to pour some lemon juice into that paper. You cut. just. Do. I really do. You do. Yeah. Uh, I posted on Twitter, Scott. I don't know if you know this, but I posted because no, 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 I, <laughs> I gave you shade. That's why I know about this. You did. You did. So I posted on Twitter. Like this weekend was kind of clearing up for me, and like I was definitely going to be going out and doing something. You know, this weekend on Saturday night, and I said, "There's a fifty-fifty chance I can convince Jamie, my wife, to go see it." And she doesn't like movies like that, so it was either going to be it or it was going to be Dunkirk. And uh, so I was pretty excited about it. I had this little red balloon posted a picture of myself, uh, posted on Facebook, tried to convince Jamie, like, hey, this would be a good idea. Um, she did not appreciate the picture of the red balloon with me <laughs> with an evil look behind Can't it. Can't tell why. <laughs> so, um, so I am sad to say my 50-50 went down to 0% chance because not only am I not going to see it, I'm not going to see Dunkirk either. I am so <sighs> angry right now. Oh, so. did you see the meme I posted uh, that I, I shared that someone else posted of like Ben Affleck saying, I hear your kids like to fight clowns. Who wants to be my next Robin? <laughs> and then it like associated a Robin with all the kids in the movie. Oh, that's great. It was so great. The, there was only one that didn't fit at all, but the rest of them were like nailed it. Oh, it was that's great. Awesome. I'll have to look for that. I'm yes. probably like this upcoming week, like I'm working a bunch of hours, but I'm, I've kind of decided like I, we got past a bunch of things with the remodeling and all that. We're almost done with it. But um, I think what I'm going to do is like, I can't get Jamie to go out to see some of these films that I want to see with me. So, you know, screw it. I am going to go to the theater by myself if that's what it takes. And I'm going to like, we have a lot of 10 o'clock showings. <laughs> You're talking about the way I see most movies. I don't know. I don't know why you're like this is like some revelation. That's how I. That's most of my movie going experiences. Oh, it's the life of being a parent with kids. My God, it changes. No, everything. it's called Saturday night at Saturday night after I put my three children to bed, uh, as in my two boys and my wife. I put them to bed, then I go see a movie. That's how it works, Tim. Join the rest of us. Yes. Well, I'm so I'm going to do that this upcoming week, and good. Uh, so I'm going to finally catch up on these movies. Oh, well, another movie that we're going to be catching up on soon, oh, yes. hopefully. Uh, Zack Snyder, you know, he's been teasing this short film on Vero, and and all of a sudden on Vero, a like a little teaser trailer pops up on his Vero account, and then of course it later gets shared on his Twitter account. But it, you know, Zack Snyder's doing that thing where you get it on Vero first, and right. then later it trickles over to to Twitter. But it's this short film that he apparently shot over a weekend called Snow Steam Iron, and my God, it's a Zack Snyder film. You could tell. You look at this thing. You could tell it's a film from the visionary filmmaker Zack Snyder. The moment you see it. Oh, my God. And it, it, it looks like it's like 1920s. I, so it's a period piece. And it just, I mean, it's Snyder through and through. You see it and you go, yep, that's a Snyder uh, movie. I just, I just love the filmography, the, like the little saturation that he used in the... Uh, Don't you mean cinematography? A filmography is your history of your films. Come on. Use the right terminology, Tim. What did I say? You said filmography. Oh, I meant cinematography. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I know. I'm trying to help you out here. <laughs> Thank you so much. But man, it looks it looks awesome. So now, it good. actually features this uh, a, a girl who was a stunt woman and actress. She was actually in Wonder Woman and Mortal Kombat Legacy and her name is Samantha Joe. but it's such a short little tease but it just kind of teases like there's obviously some kind of murder of some sort and then it shows her looks like you know getting her photo taken basically a mugshot. Her mugshot. Yeah but man uh, just like the scene of like walking up the stairs like classic Snyder. Oh, I just I love his work man. Absolutely love his work. And the Vero post he, he posted like a day before he dropped the trailer was called it said what can you do with your talented friends and family no money in a weekend <laughs> apparently a whole heck of a lot whole heck of a lot yeah now and as we remember you know of course uh, Zack Snyder had pulled out of the the Justice League project you know back uh, shortly after March I mean because his daughter passed away in March big family tragedy and uh, a couple of months after that he finally decided to walk away and at the time he said that you know in his mind he thought it was a cathartic thing to kind of go back to work to just bury himself to see if, if that was a way to kind of get through this tragedy but he said you know these demands on a job are just so intense and 
it was just all consuming. And he said for the last two months, he had come to the realization that he had decided to take a step back entirely from the movie and to be with his family and with his kids who really need him. And, uh, and he said, you know, they're all having a hard time and he was having a hard time as well. And, you know, we don't know a whole lot about this little short film, but man, if what he says here, you know, what can you do with your talented friends and family with no money in a weekend? I, I just like to think, I like to hope that like, you know, maybe he's there with his family. It's some kind of getaway or whatever they did decide to do. And he's just getting his kids involved because, you know, obviously Zack Snyder's a, a filmmaker, loves doing what he does. He loves the craft and to get his kids involved in it, I think is the perfect way to just kind of bond the family and, uh, and what, you know, and what he loves to do and what he's just, you know, fantastic at as well. So, well, and I got into a Twitter conversation with Jezebel and uh, Stephen M. Colbert from over at Screen Rant. And we were, we were talking and I wouldn't be surprised if this is what Snyder does for a while. Maybe kind of do these little art, artsy short films, kind of doing his own thing, original, original projects, maybe, you know, warming himself back up into it. I would not be surprised. And I think Brent and I were talking about this on our group chat today about how I would not be shocked if he steps away from the DCEU for a, a good while. I hope he doesn't go away forever. I wouldn't be surprised if he does go away, you know, at least as a direct. Um, I don't want that to happen, yeah. but I'm also not going to be shocked if it happened. Uh, but I would not be surprised if this is him kind of getting back to his roots and just kind of experimenting with some things, like you said, doing a little family bonding, working on smaller projects, testing his craft, trying different things, doing a little artistic experimentation. But you know what? Whatever he decides to do, I'm still going to watch it. Absolutely, yeah. Do I want him to come back and do some more DC films? Heck yeah. <laughs> but I am but I am a Zack Snyder fan of his films, so I will follow whatever he does. Yeah, same here, same here as well. So anyway, so best of luck, and I can't wait to you know see this thing debut, and I would imagine it's going to be pretty soon. I mean, he's teasing that it's it's gonna uh, it's it's gonna debut soon on Vero. So um, sign up for Vero if you haven't already. That's what we're saying. Uh, something else I'm very excited about, Scott Warner Brothers. Yeah, I I don't want you to tell me about this because okay. you know I didn't follow the I didn't follow the Apple keynote, but I know this kind of sprang up around that. So right. fill fill me in. Okay, so I'm gonna fill you in. So uh, we know that Apple, um, you know, had their big kind of yearly keynote address on Tuesday, and so that's where they revealed uh, a, a couple new versions of the iPhone and 4K TV and new Apple Watch. Uh, oh, they, they they revealed a TV? The Apple TV. Oh, oh okay. The, a, the Just the box. The box. You know, the not box not, itself, not yeah. an actual TV. That's yeah, the Apple confused. TV box and all that. So um, so the, 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 the new Apple TV box is now a 4K version. So it can basically broadcast 4K. It's just something, you know, it was a gap that they had, uh, which I purchased at. So I'm waiting for that thing to come in a few weeks. But what was really made me excited about this thing is Apple has actually struck a deal with all the different major studios except for Disney. And what this deal is, is basically if anything you've ever purchased through Apple, um, the iTunes store for any kind of films, if you purchase like the high def version, you will automatically get the um, you'll get the 4K version upgraded for free. If if you like, like you sign in through this Apple TV, this particular model of the Apple TV. Well, no, no, it, it, anything like I mean, if you're I would imagine if your iPad could do 4K, you you will own the 4K version of the film. Oh, OK. So basically, like I have the I have the fourth gen Apple TV, which doesn't do 4K. No, but but what you're saying is that if I like, do I get my purchases upgraded to 4K? Yes. Or oh wow. Yes, it, that's my understanding. Okay. Now, so I mean, it's a good question because if you don't have a 4K Apple TV, do you automatically get that? Now, I kind of feel like that's always been the case anyway. Like if you compare like what Vudu does versus Apple, like Apple just pretty much has the standard price of their high high def version is it's five bucks. Usually five bucks more than like the standard definition. Yeah, version. but you really have to kind of search the finer standard def. Oh, no, 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 no. It defaults to the high def. It defaults to the high def. Whereas Vudu, you know, it gives you an option. I can pick the standard def or the high def. And it seemed like, you know, Apple was always like, okay, we know people are going to want the high def. We're just going to put that in the front. And uh, and it just sounds like, you know, taking it even further and just saying, hey, you know, anything you bought is going to automatically be upgraded to this new 4K. And so anything that I bought through iTunes should be upgraded. So I, I'll have to check and see. That That's a good question because I'm kind of curious because I'm like, do I need to get this new Apple TV and sign in through it so that all of I mean, granted I don't have a 4K TV right now that doesn't mean I'm not going to get a 4K TV sometime in the future and it would be awesome if my movies were already upgraded for me I'm right, just saying right. yeah so the, I mean this is the kind of deal uh, so uh, obviously Warner Brothers struck this deal uh, with Apple and they did it with every other studio except for Disney and this is where I'm just like I just want to say like I get so annoyed at Disney sometimes and I have a little story on that so for one thing you know Disney is such a juggernaut they put out you know great films and all but then they're certainly taking advantage of it. They've been kind of muscling their um, the fran- 
franchises kind of to a point to where it's 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 eventually just sending costs onto us. And like to give you an example, like Disney has a thing where when it goes to all the exhibitors that show films in the theaters around the country, it used to be where typically there used to be like a 50-50 cut. So like 50% of ticket sales went to the theater, 50% went to the studio. Well, Disney has leveraged it recently to where it's roughly 60% of all the ticket receipts go to Disney now and only 40% go to this to the theater. And so what that ends up doing is like, well, the theater's not making as much money, so concessions will go up or ticket prices will go up. And so that's where I just kind of get annoyed at this. And like no other studio is doing that. And then in, in the one that just kind of really kind of ticked me off is this past weekend, the, the weekend prior, like my son really wanted to watch Lady and a Tramp because we were reading a little Disney book to him and, and we told him there's a movie and he goes, oh, I really want to watch it, really want to watch it. I'm like, okay, no problem. You know, we'll go, um, we'll go rent it or buy it uh, on Vudu or on Apple TV. It's nowhere to be found. I'm like, how can this be? And then I realized that the Disney vault, which is, you know, Disney used to always like only sell certain of their past movies certain times of the year. And so you can only purchase it in a small window. I'm like, well, certainly that can't be the case in a digital age. No. Oh, yeah, it is. They do that in a digital age as well. I couldn't find that damn movie anywhere. And then my son, <laughs> then my son is like, Dad, I really want to watch it. And he's just like really getting upset. I'm like, son, I'm trying here. You know, there's nowhere to be found. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's why you have to grab it when it gets released. And that's what I've been doing. I know, this. but this, I am sorry, Disney, but this is stupid. I'll tell you why. <laughs> because you know what? It's one thing if I'm collecting some like gold tinfoil DVD and, you know, I can only buy it a certain time of the year and, and you know, I go to buy it and I've got this physical thing that I can collect. I just want a digital copy so I could so, show my son so he could sleep well at night. Seriously, Disney, you're really pissing me off. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is like a rant that needs to be like edited and released oh, on its own. Oh, this I is like know. Ray level rant. This is amazing. <laughs> oh, I mean, but serious, it's ridiculous. And so, yeah, I'm sorry, Disney, but you're starting to annoy me. <laughs> you still put out good movies, but come on, guys. Seriously. I know, I know. I know. Hey, I just got Lion King. What can I say? Um, now, I'm going to lull you. I'm going to calm you down now, Tim, with some very nice, comforting news. Yes. Um, Justin Kroll Variety uh, reported first that uh, Patty Jenkins has closed the deal on directing uh, Wonder Woman 2. We can all breathe easy at night. The ink has hit paper. We are. We have Patty, we have Patty Jenkins for another Wonder Woman movie. And apparently, she's getting a payday somewhere in the $8 million range to co-write, direct, and produce the film, and apparently get a substantial back end of the box office gross that has been included in the contract, which I would suspect. And now this is a this is a generous increase from apparent reportedly the one million dollars she made on the first Wonder Woman movie, and now she's getting a, somewhere in the eight million dollar range plus the back end. So woohoo! This now makes her the highest paid female director of all time. Yeah, congratulations! And I think uh, some follow up reporting from Boris Kit from the Hollywood Reporter had said that uh, this was actually going to put it somewhere at the level of Zack Snyder's pay after he had had directed Man of Steel, and this was according to some of his sources. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, there you go. I mean, you you do a successful film. I mean, she she's going to be the highest paid female director of all time, but she's also like the biggest box office female director. I mean, so basically she is being compensated for her um, her efforts. Yeah. So, you know, good on, uh, good on Patty Jenkins, because I know a lot of people are kind of frustrated, like, what's taking so long? And apparently um, there was a lot of uh, challenging parts of this negotiation, according to one of the sources for Boris Kitt. And so, you know, it just took a time to kind of work through this deal. But I mean, when you're talking this kind of money, you know, it's going to you don't just like throw this out there. You you have to kind of go back and forth. And it's called negotiation. It's negotiation. Yeah. So. Uh, so, yeah, it looks like it's, you know, it's finally kind of paid off and she can finally, you know, say, yes, I am the director of Wonder Woman 2. So and then we got news from Boris Kitt. And this was an exclusive at the time, just like the next day that said that Dave Callahan has been tapped to join Patty Jenkins and Jeff Johns in writing Wonder Woman 2. Now, we'd already heard reports earlier, actually, even from Jeff Johns himself, that Patty and Jeff were working on the story treatment. And apparently Dave Callahan has been brought on to uh, help write the script. Now, this is, I think this needs some context. Apparently, Jenkins and Callahan worked together on uh, Jackpot, which was a movie they worked on last year that was an English language remake of a 2011 Norwegian film. And apparently Mila Kunis and Brian Cranston are attached to uh, star in that remake. So that's where the sort of the relationship has already been established between Jenkins and Callahan. Um, I was actually listening to DC Daily Drop, and they kind of dropped this little tidbit on me. A lot of people want to kind of 
hit him and say, oh, he helped write The Expendables, that, you know, Steven uh, Sylvester Stallone movie. And apparently he wrote a script that Stallone liked and then basically copied for The Expendables. And his name was only on it because he actually sued and there was like arbitration. And that's the only reason his name is attached to that movie. So uh, thanks to thanks to Tom and Zach for kind of clearing that one up for me. So that's definitely fun news now, Scott. Uh, by the way, Andy DiGenova just said hello. <laughs> well, he should. Yeah, he should. I was I was trying to drag him in the middle of our recording onto the show, but he's actually recording his show right now. So it, it just couldn't work out. Yeah, well, uh, he's, he's I'm also talking to one of the people he's he's doing saying you try to steal him away. And I just don't think that's fair. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. We know we know we know we're the power players. We, we got to try to get the power players on our show. <laughs> uh, whatever. <laughs> Wait, how come he didn't try to get us on his show? Hmm. Never mind. No, yeah, anyway. we down this rabbit hole. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's continue on with some of this. Now, I was pretty excited about this news. Chris Terry was actually being brought in to be a co-writer on Star Wars 9. J.J. Abrams is coming in to direct and he's co-writing episode 9 with Chris Terrio. And this was a big deal because Colin Trevorrow had been uh, sort of, I know, we had creative differences on episode 9 and so Terrio is jumping in to help co-write it with Abrams. Abrams is coming back from, you know, working on episode 7 of uh, Force Awakens. So that was kind of cool, you know. I liked Force Awakens sue me I'm sorry I did I had fun it was Star Wars and then now they know that Terry is coming in to write the final movie of this new trilogy oh yeah that's awesome to me I'm a big Star Wars guy you know I am now officially the biggest Star Wars fan that Brent knows he he, he tried to give that and the last fans he tried to give that title to Ray, and I had to I had to squash that pretty quick so you know I'm the biggest Star Wars fan Brent knows now Ray's the biggest Star Trek fan that Brent knows so you know we, 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 we found our sandboxes well I'm just I'm just excited about this because I mean I love Chris Terrio's dialogue and I'm really intrigued at what you know what kind of influences he's going to have to kind of close out this the Skywalker storyline of, of films and I'm I'm just really intrigued like what he's going to do and and I, I kind of I have to admit I kind of loved that a lot of kind of DC EU haters out there <laughs> were just like all of a sudden like up in arms like oh my god we're bringing this guy that did you know Batman v Superman and so they're all like kind of freaking out I'm like are you kidding me the guy's a fantastic writer the guy the guy the guy won an Oscar. What an Oscar. <laughs> I mean, come on for Argo. So now, but then like the same day, uh, we get the fact that they've bumped the release date of episode nine from May 24th, 2019 to December 20th, 2019, which would put it six days after the already announced release date of Wonder Woman 2. And that caused a little um, uh, kerfuffle or um, got people all a Twitter, pun intended, right, <laughs> about the release date. And even kind of got a discussion going on amongst the hosts here over at the at the at the Squadcast Network because we were all kind of like, what are we gonna do? And I gotta be honest, I kind of sided with Ray on this one. I feel like Wonder Woman's gotta move a yeah. little bit because it's Star Wars. I'm sorry, it's Star Wars. Well, uh, my first reaction was like, okay, you know, I mean, Wonder Woman's a pretty big powerhouse. You know, th- does Wonder Woman have to move? You know, I think there's enough. It's Star Wars. Not yet, exactly. I exactly. But actually, Ray made the best argument when he said, well, it, really, it's gonna be screen time. Like if the number of screens that will be able to show Wonder Woman is going to greatly diminish. I'm like, oh yeah, well that's the best argument right there. I mean, people will still want to see Wonder Woman, but like... You'll lose on IMAX sales, because Star Wars is going to take over those IMAX right, screens. Right, right. Which is going to reduce the amount of money, because you know those IMAX tickets ain't cheap. No. And, and you know, will Wonder Woman 2 do well? Oh, absolutely. But it's not on the level of Star Wars, and all you're doing is cutting the knees out of the box office run. I mean, Wonder Woman did great because it was able to go through May and most of June before Spider-Man came out this summer. And even Spider-Man didn't put that big of a dent in Wonder Woman. No, no. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I I think it's more likely to be pulled forward than uh, be pushed back. And so, do you think it's possible Wonder Woman could be pulled forward more than six months and go right to May? Well, I guess it would be almost seven months. (sighs) You know, I I, I don't want it. I'm concerned because I don't want them to rush the project. Right. I mean, now that that Patty's got the deal, so now, like, it can actually move forward with her as the director and they're bringing Callahan to help write the script. I mean, obviously the wheels are turning. They're they're getting started, but I just don't see... I mean, you put in the notes the fact that Memorial Day is, Memorial Day weekend is now open because that's when Star Wars was, was. going to open. Yeah, right. But I don't... I think that's I think that's early. I don't know. I just... I don't want them to be rushed to hit that date, but it would be a great summertime yeah. to, to hit. Um, 
Maybe I heard that there was also like a November slot that Warner Brothers had at one time that you could possibly drop it. That would at least give it a month and a half. But then someone else brought up another Disney thing. Frozen 2 is coming out at that same time. So the problem is, is that you're you're risking box office by having Wonder Woman 2 in a period with a lot of heavy competition. Yeah. Well, and let's face it. I mean, they're going to figure this thing out. They're the experts. They, they kind of know how all these things are going to play out and what the demographics are uh, for their audience and all that. And they're going to figure out a good spot for it, you know, based on what they can do scheduling wise. But I mean, you know, it gets a little tougher, you know, you got, uh, you know, you got actor and actress availability and filmmaker availability and things like that. Like, you know, all that's got to play into this, but who knows, you know, I, I think, um, you know, maybe that uh, Memorial Day weekend that's now open, maybe that's an opportunity for something like a Suicide, Suicide Squad 2 to jump in there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean we just got a writer and director. I just, I just don't know because we just got a writer, a writer director announced for that. Well, that, but that deal's not even done. At least we Wonder Woman 2, yeah. the deal's done. The deal's done, yeah. So, anyway, uh, interesting news. So, I, I, it's, it's likely Wonder Woman is going to move. Yes. And, and don't hate us. We're just, we're just being realistic here. It's Star Wars. It's Star Wars, and it's, and it's also a business. <laughs> yes. I mean, don't think like, don't think like a fan. Think like a business, and you'll understand why they do what they do. The drone, this drone story is really cool. That's I have awesome. To, Those videos are cool. I watched a video this morning. So, apparently, Warner Brothers, uh, Warner Brothers Home Entertainment got together with this company and sorry I, di- I didn't get the company's name but they sent up 300 drones over the Los Angeles skyline and spelled out Wonder Woman did a tiara did a W symbol did image did the kneeling on the beach yeah. image from the poster did the DC logo and it's all kind of a publicity stunt because the physical release of Wonder Woman is next Tuesday mm-hmm. so and no I have not pre-ordered my, my steel book shut up <laughs> I'm going to stop you I, right Did you there. really think I was going to ask that? Yes! My I God. know you. What's the matter with you? I know you, sir. But my but my tiara edition shipped today, so I'm good. Uh, yeah, this was really cool. I mean, this was actually um, Intel was involved in this. Okay. Yeah, so it was um, GM might have been a sponsor. I'm, I saw GM. I didn't know if that was supposed to be like the car company was somehow involved. But um, at any rate, uh, they did this over the bay. It was just fantastic. This is one of those things that you just probably have to see in person, but really, really cool. Really cool. Um, they also had had the electric cellist play in her music, um, the Wonder Woman theme song during this uh, event. Uh, was it was it Tina Gao herself, or was it just a n- Tina Gao? Yeah, it was Tina it was Gao. Tina yep. Okay, yeah. Awesome. So, so that looks really cool. I'd, I'd love to see them, like you know, take that elsewhere. Like, like come to Chicago, please. I implore you. I will drive over to go see this. Okay. Well, moving on to some Justice League news. Army Hammer's denying the Green Lantern rumors again. Just, just, just saying. He said, "No one's called me. No one's called me. No nothing." So you know, that was with ET Canada. So you know, if you believe him you know of course they were up at that uh, toronto F- international film festival and just he's still he's still singing that song so well he's doing what he has to do if, if he is green lantern but like where where, where your, where's your head at on this now scott do you think he do you think he is a major character i don't care i just don't it'd be fun i'm gonna it'd be fun i think it'd he'd... be fun it'd be fun and once again i like the man from uncle i just i'm just saying i just want to see the damn movie at this point <laughs> i don't care yeah and if he's in the film great if he's not Fine. You know, Twitter salutes have already picked up the fact that Matt Reeves is now following him on Twitter. So make of that what will. So I don't know. We're just going to have to sit back and just kind of see what happens. I think it's going to be fun. It seems like whatever they're doing, there's like, there's something, you know, they're being, they're keeping all this stuff very, very close to the vest. Like, I still love the marketing that they're doing on Justice League. We, you know, they've been very relentless about not showing Superman. And uh, so that's, that's good. I mean, so it's kind of the opposite of what happened with Batman v Superman. Because yes. that was the big criticism was you know showing Doomsday. Yes, and I agree with that criticism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. It. I was okay with it. I was fine. You know, it didn't didn't necessarily bother me. I don't get bent out of shape on that kind of stuff. But I understand how it how it did uh, bother some people. Yeah, it kind of ruined that moment in the movie to me. It yeah, would have been I'll a cool be moment to see for the first time. Yes, it sure. would have been. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, now that image that's floating around uh, from what do you call it? Barry Allen's like hideout, his little warehouse. I was gonna say his loft. His or, loft. You know. Yeah, loft's good. I don't want to call it the Flash Cave or anything. Thing that's kind of overused, but it is so cool. I mean, people were dissecting this thing like it was a Zapruder film, uh, going there and looking at all the things. It's I, I just love the set design on this. Yeah, Clay Enos even shared it on Vero. Yeah, and I, yeah. And I saw it there, and I was like, ooh. Yep. Yeah. So I wasn't sure if this was official um, marketing material or officially released because it actually showed up on Imager, and uh, but there was no like credits attributed to it. But once Clay Enos shared it, I'm like, okay, it's fair game now. Right. No, that was exactly what I thought. You know, once I saw Clay Enos doing it on. Vero, 
Vera, I was like, then this has some seal of approval or some stamp or something. Yeah, yeah. Or at least it was, you know, officially released by the person who took it, which I'm assuming this was Clay Enos. Clay Enos, yeah. Um, really cool, man. There's just a lot of great things. <laughs> like, I, I, I could sit there and there's like a real nice high def version you could find of this and, and you could really pour over this thing and there's there's so many hidden little things in there. I'm glad you have the time to do that. I don't have that. I don't have the time to do that. Well, I zoomed in and looked at it. I can see Tesla off to the right. You know, that's clear as day. Um, see like uh, some fingerprints on a screen, uh, obviously digging into some kind of like a police file of some sort. So just a lot of cool stuff. And, you know, they don't, you can't zoom in just enough to kind of read everything. So, you know, there's all kinds of stuff hidden in there. But uh, yeah, just let the over analysis begin. Uh, I know, I know. It's still fun though. I'm just so excited. Well, but you know what you're not going to be excited about, Tim? You know, no costume is going to be popping out of a ring in this movie as Romilla has confirmed that. And I'm just, you know, I never believed that was going to happen. No, of course not. No, because he wouldn't have that technology just yet. No, and I don't think that technology even exists in this world. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, it barely it barely exists on the TV show, and only Earbard had that. So right. you know, <laughs> that was when Cisco was like, "Hey, he had one question. How did you do that? <laughs> that that was the one thing he wanted to know. <laughs> that was great. Oh man, um, I like that Nicole Kidman is talking about playing Adla- Atlanta on Aquaman. I love the fact that she's like, "I got to be a mermaid." I'm like, that's how she associates that. I got to be a mermaid. I got to be a queen. I got to wear a crown. I have a particular way of looking. I got to lie on a rock with my hair strewn in blood, and I kind of liked it. <laughs> Thank you, Nicole. I like that. Yeah. So, so I'm not even sure she really knows how to characterize what her character is supposed to be. <laughs> I don't either, but I don't care. It's Nicole Kidman. No, I don't think she has any idea. <laughs> I, I've had a crush on Nicole Kidman for years now, uh, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah, she's Be- okay. Between, I mean, between, <laughs> you know, well, I mean, Batman Forever and Moulin Rouge, I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. I enjoy my Nicole Kidman. Well, you forgot I was eyes wide shut. Didn't particularly like that movie. I'm sorry. <sighs> you didn't like that? I, I just liked it how bizarre. I mean, I'm a Kubrick fan. So like, I just loved how bizarre it was and how it, it was very uncomfortable. That's what I enjoyed about yes, the film so much. That, yeah, that's very true. <laughs> a lot of very uncomfortable topics were poached in that movie, which I really enjoyed. Uh, but this is not the Kubrick podcast, so. It is not, on. but like, no, let's, not. so look, kind of like uh, putting a bow on the Aquaman news this week. Now, over at the Aquaman Shrine, I think it's just a Twitter site, honestly. They are apparently hearing from their sources that production on the film is basically coming to a close in the next couple of weeks. And what they're saying that what they're hearing is that they're apparently not going to film in Italy as originally planned. Okay. So, well, interesting. I'm, you know, interested to know what their sources are and be interested to see how that, uh, yeah. you know, how that pans out. Yeah. So, I mean, we would, we would place this as, you know, uh, unconfirmed information at this point, not corroborated, but, you know, it's kind of interesting. I, I don't feel like, you know, what I've seen from that site before, I don't, I don't feel like uh, misinformation is just thrown out there. Okay, cool. Well, talking about some more information that kind of got thrown out this week, um, Umberto Gonzalez over at The Wrap sent out a tweet that basically said that uh, Ben Affleck's unused script for The Batman was inspired by David Fincher's 1997 mystery thriller The Game, and the tweet was even liked by Joe Manganiello, who was going to be Deathstroke in that script. Um, now, it's really interesting. Are you familiar with this movie, too? Oh, I love that film. I love this movie. Yeah. It's really weird because I've been hearing people talk about it, and they're like, I haven't seen this movie. I'm oh, like, it's a great film. Dude, it's a great movie. You know, like you talked about Kubrick. Yeah. That I'm Fincher. I love me okay. some David Fincher. And so, yeah, I've seen this movie. It's Michael Douglas and Sean Penn. And, yeah. Um, and there's another actress in there that the only reason I know her is because she was like the love interest in the third Highlander movie. I mean, that's, that's how deep this goes. And like, I even bought this thing on Criterion Blu-ray like a year ago. I love this movie. And so the idea that Affleck's Batman was inspired by this movie. I'm so intrigued by that. I'm so intrigued. I have a little tear rolling down here. Uh, I know, I I know. Yeah. I wonder what the angle was. Yeah, that's what I want to know. I mean, if you know the plot of the game, which I don't want to give away because I want to say, guys, if you are are curious at all, go see this movie. It is such a good movie. Yeah, we can't. we, We really can't talk about the main plot of the film. No, you can't. You really can't because that's the whole point of the film. You don't want to talk about it oh it's so good but yeah I, I was like trying to sit there and think because i mean this totally feels like something that affleck would want to do you know you know he would love a film like that i would love a film like that now it's not saying that i'm i'm poo-pooing on you know matt reeves starting all over because you know i've seen the planet of the apes movies that matt reeves did and i love those so 
I'm I'm all on board for whatever Matt Reeves wants to do with Batman. But this is intriguing. Like this is a movie I would still like to see. Yeah, and but this also makes me realize why Matt Reeves would have wanted to start over because yes, this is this if you're doing something like what was done by Fincher in the game, it's not just any director can come in and take that over. Like this has got to be something. This has got to be like a passion project for a director to do that. It absolutely has to be. So like I think to me this makes sense. You know why uh, Reeves are coming in and like okay this that's not his vision. This is not exactly right. what he would want to do. It, it makes total sense to me. But man, oh. I just I go see guys if you've not seen this movie, please do yourself a favor. Yeah, it, it comes highly recommended from the two of us. Yeah, it's an it's some of the early David Fincher, and uh, I would say I, I've seen it. I think I've seen it a couple years ago. I think it was the most recent time I'd seen it, and it was a little bit dated. It's a fun film though. Yeah, but it's still just but it, it, I I think dated gets I think dated gets like overrated sometimes. Like it's still it's still solid writing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, as Brent Clark would say, this is a, a must-watch film. <laughs> You're gonna keep trolling Brent all night, aren't you? I love this. I love this. <sighs> I you notice I never said that. I didn't want to get the angry tweet from Brent. Oh, he's not gonna be angry. It's Brent. Oh, it's true. He, he has his buttons. It's that like Ray. True. He he's like Ray. He has his buttons. Ray has buttons. Are you kidding me? Just saying. <laughs> oh, you mean just go to any message board Ray's on? You can oh, find any, his buttons. Any social media <laughs> handle he has on. Uh, we love you, Ray. We love you. And, and you too, Brent. <laughs> Maybe. I'm, I'm kind of iffy on Brent Park. <laughs> okay. Oh, we may have a working title for Shazam now. Really? What do we have? Yeah. So this comes from some website called Omega Underground, which I have never heard of in my entire life. Never heard of either. I went to the source article on this, kind of read the article itself. Basically, it says that this website, Omega Underground, has learned from early production listings that Shazam will be using the title Franklin during production. You know, because uh, like, wh- what was the uh, working title for Wonder Woman? It was Nightingale. Yep. And then for Batman v Superman, it was like Milo and something. Uh, drawing a blank on what it was. But, you know, they always have some kind of like working title that they just kind of use, you know, so they don't really give away too much about what's happening with that production. So Franklin, that's an interesting one. So is it Ben Franklin? Well, yeah, because Lightning. Yeah. The kite. Yeah. But what was it about Ben Franklin? Because he drew, he was trying to attract Lightning and it happened? Yeah, he he, he was the one who was proving the theory that Lightning was like a, was like a natural phenomenon of electricity. That was the whole point with the, the kite and the key. The supposed kite and the key. I mean, that's... He also invented the lightning rod. So, lightning you rod, know, yeah. let's, let's let's read some history. Read right. a book. So, I mean, what's kind of interesting about this is this, you know, I mean, we're just having fun speculation here, but does this imply that Billy Batson brought it upon himself to become Shazam? Did he somehow attract the lightning? So, it's, it's kind of intriguing. Well, you're going way too deep. It's just lightning. It's it's a cute little title. I mean, come on. Eh, you never know. So You're trying too hard. That's all I'm saying. I'm just having fun speculation, man. Why you gotta be such a buzzkill? You're such a buzzkill. Should we talk about this uh, Derek Thaler audition? Who? <laughs> <laughs> That's my reaction. Who? Yeah. So I'm, people I'm, were talking about it, and they and they asked, you know, what do you guys think of this? Okay, we'll, we'll talk about it. I don't know much about this guy, but basically, I know nothing about. I, like, I, this is the first time this name has ever been spoken to me in my life, in your whole life. Uh, I don't know my much about life. this guy either, but is um, an actor. He posted on Snapchat that he had a big day ahead of him, and then apparently the next day he showed a picture of his own shadow, and he put a little lightning bolt emoji on the chest, and so um, obviously very much hinting that, you know, maybe he was uh, auditioning for, you know, Shazam. And apparently this guy has gotten from the fan community, he's a guy that appears on a bunch of people's lists, like, hey, he'd be really cool for this role. So who knows? You know, we don't have no idea what this means. But I, I took a look at him and I go, yeah, you know, I could actually see it. I sure as hell could see it a whole a hell of a lot more than um, than Cena. Like, yes. I cannot see Cena at all. Um, and I looked at this, I'm like, yeah, he looks the part. You know, I have no idea if the guy can act. I know nothing about this guy. But anyway, just, we'll throw that name out there. Maybe somehow it pops back up and and this would have been some of the early indication that you know maybe he actually did have an audition okay well sandberg was of course back on instagram and twitter <laughs> having all kinds of fun uh, just, god if you're not following uh if you're not following either sandberg on instagram or not following some sort of site that reports regularly and what sandberg's doing on instagram oh this is hilarious we're now up to one two three four no well, hold on one two three I, i'm having to do the math here of how many cans of coke we have at this point he's got a bunch yeah He's got a bunch. And now there's like all kinds of Shazam art and toys pinned to the wall. And he's got and now the and now the toys are speaking to him, holding signs like, please get help. David, you have a problem. A problem. This is not healthy. <laughs> and then Tawny the tiger saying, Meow. Well, and, and then in and then the very next uh, Instagram posting, they're all running off the side and they're being chased by like a clown. Like and I don't know if that's supposed to be from it. No, no, that's Pennywise. That that's a that's a Pennywise that's a Pennywise pop. That's okay, what that, that is a Pennywise is. pop. Okay. That's what I thought. But um so he's just having a lot of fun and, 
and uh, there's this looming picture of him, you know, creeping up behind the cans of you know David Sandberg himself. So, David, are you doing any freaking work here? <laughs> it seems like it seems like you're putting together some stop motion film here of some sort. But uh, at least he's having fun. I, I applaud him. I want this to be an extra feature on the Blu-ray release. All I'm saying. Now, I, I have to ask you, who's the character that looks kind of like Wolverine and Black Adam and on the back wall? What are you talking about? Uh, if you go to the first picture or second picture, right above the edge of the third row of the pop cans. I have no idea who this is. I have no idea who this is either. So. Okay. Nah, who knows? Um, keep having fun. He actually posted like a little comic strip of himself as well being written into some Shazam comic strip. Yeah, with, with buy war bonds today. I love that little a little period touch. What can I say? Well, then some Gotham City Sirens news. Uh, well, we think Gotham City Sirens news. Uh, the rap was reporting that at the uh, Toronto International Film Festival where Margot Robbie was there promoting I, Tanya, which shows he's going to play Tanya Harding. Uh, they were asked when they're going to get to see Margot Robbie's Harley again, and her quote was, I think next year I'll be back in the fishnets wielding a baseball bat, I hope. And she said on if it would be for the Joker Harley film, her comment was, your guess is as good as mine at this point. I don't know. <laughs> so she doesn't know which movie she's doing next, but she does plan to be playing Harley next year, whatever yeah. movie it ends up being. Yeah, and I mean, I guess we, we think it's probably Suicide Squad 2, then Gotham City Sirens. Okay. If the story goes away, we think it would go. Because you kind of need to tie off the relationship between, um, you know, Harley and Joker, which I think would probably best happen through Suicide Squad 2. And then it would then lead to her being on her own in Gotham City Sirens. Well, but then I was thinking maybe the Joker-Harley film would come in between before Suicide Squad 2 then leads into her being on her own in Gotham City Sirens. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. We have no clue. So obviously, obviously they're trying to figure out what, you know. They're trying to figure out what we're just talking about. That's what they're trying to figure (laughs) out. And maybe they already know, but, you know, I think they're, I think whatever it is, they're doing a little better job of keeping a lot of the stuff, you know, close to the vest. Yeah, definitely. So, hey, apparently Chris McKay was talking to Collider about Nightwing, and I haven't heard any of this. So, lay it on me, Tim. Give me this news. Well, so, we had Chris McKay coming in and talking about, you know, developing Robin and Nightwing for his film and all that. And and I'm just going to go ahead and read some of these quotes, and we can kind of talk about it. He said, you know, you always thought that Robin was his dork, and you were like, you know, I don't want to be Robin. I I just don't want to play with Robin. I want to play Batman, you know, like when you're a kid. Uh, But Robin was there as a window character for these little kids like me to understand Batman's world and see into Batman's and I actually agree with that Scott like I kind of felt like you know as a little kid reading this stuff did you find yourself kind of relating to the sidekicks no I'm gonna be honest whenever whenever people talk about how the sidekicks are supposed to be like the this is the character that I relate to kind of thing that was never me I'm gonna be completely honest. I hate to pop your balloon like you were gonna set up this great little thing no it was for a very short period for me that that ever happened no it, it that was never that was never the case for me of course I'm also the kid who read Batman Year One and Dark Knight Returns when he was seven. Plains a lot. So let's talk about my issues. <laughs> uh, this is a one-hour podcast. <laughs> we don't have enough time. <laughs> so I, anyway, so I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, he's saying that, you know, that's how he was, he's looking at Robin. It was like this window to Batman's world. And he said, there's no other character in comics that went through this real-life transition, real-time transition. He's talking about how, you know, a Robin had evolved over the years to basically go from the sidekick to uh, basically kind of be an older Robin and then eventually branch off on his own. I mean, there's been other characters that have done that, but I mean, it's really true. I mean, there's such a long history of the character Robin, you know, really appeared very shortly after Batman's debut and uh, is still around today as, as you know, at least the original Robin is his own character in Nightwing and said every character lives in this rough version of the age that they're in. So he's basically referring to, you know, most characters kind of stay the same age. Uh, so he says that's really not the case with how Robin and Nightwing has progressed. And uh, he says because of that, like very few of these characters actually grow up in the comics and become something else. Yeah. And so the McKay kind of like closed off his thoughts on us. He said, you know, very few characters actually grow up in the comics, become something else, and to go from being a boy to being an adult and and have their own life and become their own thing. So that's kind of what his big appeal is with this character. Then Chris McKay went on to talk about what the film that the kind of film that he wants to do, and he says, look, this film is going to be effing badass. It's going to be an action movie with a lot of heart and emotion. And he said, it's going to be crazy, a fun ride. He said, whoever gets cast as Nightwing and any of the other characters around, they're going to have to go through a boot camp experience because it's going to be a lot. He said, I'm not going to do a lot of CG. It's going to be real stuff. And, and I'm paraphrasing. You are so editing this the whole way. I'm editing some of his language here. It's going to be real stunt work and they're going to need to do all the stuff on camera and do it credibly. I love this. I love everything he's saying. I love all of this. Yeah, I do too. For the cast and the crew, it's going to be a visceral experience and for the audience. It's not going to be like a lot of those movies where there's a lot of CG and flying and things like that. Everything he does is going to have to be real. His superpower is being really effing good as a human being and fighting and gymnastics and 
crap like that. So you're going to have to see that on screen. It's going to be fun. Woohoo! So it sounds like his vision here is basically do a lot of practical effects. And I think that's going to really work for a character that... That works for Nightwing. It works for Nightwing. That's what it should be. It totally does, yeah. So, I mean, everything here sounds really cool. And I and I am glad to hear that they're going to be really practical with what they want to do with uh, this character. And, and I also like that he's got high expectations that wh- whatever actor they cast, that, you know, that actor is going to be doing this stunt work. You know, at least a lot of it anyway. I, w- I always find that a lot more believable when, you know, you, you have an actor that's just capable of doing some of that. It always throws me off when you see a film and you see the actor and then all of a sudden you see an action scene. You can clearly tell it's it's not the actor. It's some other stunt person. <laughs> uh, I know. I'm going to be. T- I'm gonna, can, can I tell you a little secret? It happens every time with John Berriman on the Arrowverse. Every time. Every time. Every time. <laughs> you know, it's just like, yes, John, that's not you. I can uh, tell. And it, it always happens with uh, Speedy as well. <laughs> I never really noticed it that badly with Speedy. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. I always get to see it with John Berriman. Yeah, that is true. Uh, well, then Cinema Blend was asking Chris McKay if there's going to be nods to the Grayson Circus family past. And he said, yes, in some form, there will be lots of nods. Lots of nods. <laughs> yes. Thank you. That's cool. Let's not forget that Grayson came from a circus. Yes. Let's keep that in mind. Yep. And then there was an interview with Metro, um, and Chris McKay went on to talk about, he, he basically went on to talk about what it's like working with Warner Brothers. And he said, Warner Brothers is a movie director-driven studio, period. The end. More than any other studio you're ever going to work at. Just look at the roster of world-class filmmakers that have worked at Warner Brothers and made it their home. Warner Brothers is a director-driven studio, and that's exactly how they are operating these movies. Interesting. I mean, well, it's nice to hear someone who was actually in the process right. say that. Yes. Now, granted, okay, some people can legitimately argue that he's toting the company line, and they would be right, but I, but the way this guy's been talking, I do believe he believes this. Well, and let's be clear, we've talked about this, or at least I've talked about this before. Warner Brothers is a director-driven studio, but when it comes to the shared universes and when things have to be a little bit more tightly controlled, you know, there are more reign, you know, more reigns have to be put on the filmmakers, whether you like it or not. That's just the fact of the matter. You know, when you have to, when you have to kind of implore the filmmaker to do certain things so that it ties into the, you know, the narrative or the the ongoing storyline, you know, that takes away some power of the filmmaker. And, and that's just the reality of it. But it, to do everything else that they can to try to give the filmmaker, you know, creative control. I mean, that's what, that's what I love about DC films. And that's what I love about Warner Brothers. It's like, you know, like it or not, you can definitely tell each uh, director's stamp on these films. Oh, no. I mean, it, you know, Man of Steel and Batman v Superman look like a Zack Snyder movie. Yes. You know, Suicide Squad does not feel like Zack Snyder. Wonder Woman does not feel like either one of those other movies. I mean, you can tell, like, the director still has a stamp on their movies. And that, it, whether Warner Brothers meddled or not, and there's been some meddling, we can admit this, uh, it still feels like their movie for, for the most part. Because McKay even went to talk about the differences between Warner Brothers and the DCEU and the Marvel Studios model, you know, and he was talking about Patty Jenkins. Because you got to remember, Patty Jenkins was supposed to direct Thor The Dark World. And she left. And then Chris McKay's quote was, that's the kind of filmmaking you're going to see and have seen with Patty Jenkins and Wonder Woman. That's what they have done and what they will continue to do. And that's why these movies are not trying to follow the Marvel model. They're trying to do their own thing with filmmakers that they like and produce things that are wholly original and wholly unique, which I can completely agree with. Yeah. Uh, these are encouraging words. I, I, I want to hear this kind of thing coming from people that are in the process of pre-production and all that with films. Like, I, I, I hope all this stuff stays true. And, you know, and I think it's been a learning process for Warner Brothers as well, trying to figure out how best to do this, you know, to be the filmmaker-driven studio that they want, but at the same time, you know, have to do something where you have all these other ties. And But this is this is real encouraging. It was it was fun to hear some more updates uh, from Chris McKay. So I don't know what he did, but he, he was out with at least three different outlets here this past week. Wow, okay. Now, this was something that literally just popped up today. And so I'm going to talk about what I read, and then you said you were going to listen to the actual interview. Did you end up getting... Did you end up getting to do that on your way home today? I, I listened to the text. I didn't listen to the interview. Okay, because there's a video. Okay, so on the website, Hey You Guys, they had an interview with Matthew Vaughn because Kingsman the Golden Circle opens up next weekend, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, now, the story is being published as Matthew Vaughn confirms that he said talks to direct Man of Steel 2. When I read the quote, I'm not 100% sold on the sort of interpretation that's being spun out there. Here's the actual quote from the interview. I am planning another Kingsman. I've written the treatment and some of the scenes. I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I have had chats about Superman. I love Superman. 
Matthew Vaughn confirmed. <laughs> he's had chats about Superman. We don't know who he's had chats <laughs> about. We know that several years ago, he said some derogatory comments about Man of Steel uh, and not really particularly liking that take on Superman. Um, but, and that has gotten some people kind of, you know, you get people who are excited because they like Matthew Vaughn as a director. You get some people who want to take those quotes and kind of poo on him. And then you get people who kind of have the, if it's not Snyder, it's nothing at all kind of mentality. Listen, I like Matthew Vaughn uh, from the movies from the movies that I have seen. Ray has to keep on reminding me that he directed Layer Cake with Daniel Craig, and I love that. I really enjoyed First Class, X-Men First Class, and I really got a kick out of Kingsman, and I'm excited for the Kingsman sequel that comes out next weekend. So I'm not down on the idea of him directing a Superman movie. I'm just not. So, you know, send your hate mail to at Alan Fire and... <laughs> <laughs> Wrong address. <laughs> Scott DC 27. Alan Fire. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> No, it's not it's not the end of the world for me if Matthew Vaughn directs the next Superman movie. It just isn't because there are three movies he's done that I have distinctly enjoyed. No, I've not seen Kick Ass, and I probably won't because it's not my kind of movie. But the other three I've seen, I've really enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've recently seen Kick Ass again and and uh I, I caught a lot of a lot of crap about this. It's I, I'm not super big on Kick Ass, honestly. I'm really well, not. you've already said that before on the podcast. Yeah. So, you know. and, and I did catch a lot of crap about it. But I'm just being honest. I it wasn't, you know, it wasn't great. I did enjoy Kingsman. So, uh, I mean, there were some things I didn't like about it, but I don't necessarily blame that on, on uh, you know, Matt Vaughn. But I don't know. I, I think, I kind of feel like he would be the right type of director to come in and, and do a Superman film. So, I don't know. I just, I'm neither like, you know, super excited or concerned. Like, I'm like, okay, he's a legit filmmaker. That's, I want some legit filmmaker to do a Man of Steel sequel. So, you know, we'll just have to wait and see, um, you know, what his pitch would be. Okay. Well, that's kind of, kind of wraps it up for what we, th- we want to talk about in the movie news. We, there's actually some TV and miscellaneous news we definitely wanted to talk about this week. Uh, Mark Guggenheim sent out a couple of tweets that apparently are teasing the uh, the big actual four-show crossover this year. <laughs> um, I'm going to be honest. This first tweet he sent out, um, which was – he it was on September 9th, ser- sharing a work in progress of the crossover. I swear this looks like um, Adam Strange's jetpack from RAN. That's kind of my DC fanboy speculation about it. And then – he had another one came out today that totally looks like Sandman from like the original JSA like not not Neil Gaiman Sandman we're talking like Golden Age Sandman yeah I mean Golden Age Sandman except for like it doesn't have like the World War One gas mask like it's it's more of a modernized version yeah but they've done that like even in the Earth the the Earth Two series they updated his gas mask to look something like this so but that's what it looks like to me personally yeah and the reason we say that it's got the goggles but it um, I guess the the giveaway is like what appears to be some kind of like air vent the the filters yeah yeah so okay kind of cool i mean like you said you know hopefully uh if we get that we'd get a proper like sandman introduced okay well then guggenheim was over at collider talking about arrow and of course you know it's a big deal that uh that menu bennett's gonna be back for a significant chunk of season six yeah. of arrow i mean pretty excited about oh that. yeah I'm, I'm super stoked i love manu bennett's slade wilson and apparently there was a question about why they're able to use deathstroke again and these were guggenheim's quotes and this is why we wanted to talk about it guggenheim said it was a function of you know DC controls these characters we went through a period where DC was like we've got plans for Deathstroke that don't include Arrow that changed at the end of this year interesting okay which unfortunately makes me go oh Joe Joe Manganiello I want to <laughs> see you I want to see you in uh, in the movies as Deathstroke but I'm wondering if maybe that's being put on hold um I thought he was going to be in Justice League but as we've been talking about characters being cut from Justice League I think maybe he was one of the cuts we know that he was going to be in the Batman, but then that script got scrapped, so he's probably not going to be in Matt Reeves' Batman. So I'm guessing he kind of got freed up for TV again. I don't know. I'm just kind of a little disappointed, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm excited that I get my new Bennett back, but then I'm also disappointed I'm not going to get a big screen version of Deathstroke. Yeah, and I also, I mean, there's another way you can kind of interpret this, and we know that they've been trying to loosen up the the wall, or at least a separation between the TV and the and the film properties and all that. So maybe maybe that's one of the things that's changed. You know, maybe they just said, okay, um, it, we're comfortable having characters appear in two different mediums at the same time that are different characters. Yeah, but that's not how I interpret these comments from 
Guggenheim. No, I, uh, it's probably not. But you know, but also when the plans have changed, you know, like this could be one of the characters that maybe was cut from Justice League. But maybe, maybe he's you know appropriately going to be in something like a Nightwing. You know, we just don't know. God, I would love him to be in the Nightwing movie. He would be. Some people talk about Suicide Squad too. That would be okay. But I really would like him in the. You know, maybe introduce him in Suicide Squad too, and then let him be like the primary antagonist in a Nightwing movie. That's that would be great. Yeah, I mean, I I would like to see. Um, I'd like to see more screen time with the character so and i'd be afraid of like if we only see him in suicide squad 2 that it would just you know it'd be almost like joker where you just you know you want to see more of the character and you just don't get enough yeah i i completely agree with you but if he can be like the the main antagonist in like say a nightwing film that would be awesome and and there's always there's always been a great rivalry between uh dick grayson and slade wilson that's so it's so classic yeah and especially if you introduce the whole element of his son you know joseph in there yes which actually arrow will be doing and so uh, apparently there's going to be a Slade heavy two-parter early on in the season and they have cast some actor who I am completely unfamiliar with but uh, he will be playing Joe Wilson and if you read the Wolfman Perez run of New Teen Titans you also know him as Jericho so another must read <laughs> as as Brent would say as, yes. which they just released an omnibus yeah that, they did um, yeah. yeah which I got my hands on so I'm very happy I can't wait to read that how many different copies of the Judas Contract do you have now I actually don't have any co- I have I have uh digital comicsology copies of the four issues. Oh, okay, that's all you have. Because Judas Contra, they were releasing like the little trade paperbacks mm-hmm. uh, before they decided to start publishing omnibuses again and Judas Contract was going to show up in volume seven, which I'm not buying because they've already announced that they're producing uh, these omnibuses and one hardcover omnibus equals three of the little trade paperbacks. Gotcha. Oh man, I, I still have my original copies from when I was a kid. I, I remember getting this thing month by month as the story was coming out and I was like, oh, Oh my god, this is freaking awesome. Hey, have you watched the Judas Contract animated movie yet? I haven't watched it yet. Oh, oh, there's a there's a little there's a little end credit teaser you need to watch. When you Judas Contract was good. I'm gonna tell you that right now. It was good. Yeah, I wanted to like I wanted to go back and reread Judas Contract before I watched the film, and I just never, you know, I got super busy all of a sudden and I never got a chance. So like I still want to do that. Like I want to refresh my memory about the Wolfman Perez run and uh go through and do that before I actually watch that film. Oh, still, still watch it. Okay. It's really good. Yeah, I will do that soon. I, cause I've been want I've been kind of chomping at the bit trying to find the right time but I'm still going to read the issues before I do it okay and then uh, apparently Colton Haynes on Twitter has teased that Roy's coming back very soon now I'm hopeful I, I miss Arsenal I want to see him come back I, I will admit though he was kind of talking about this last season too and I, who knows what happened why he didn't show up in season 5 well but there was a lot of personal stuff going on with him there was a lot yeah, yeah there was but you know I hope he comes back I, yeah. he, he's a character who I'd like to see return on the show yeah I think it's time. Like I think, I think having that distance between you've last really seen him, I think is is, is going to make it that much more special when you get him back. Because I, I did, I did enjoy him. I, you know, as I said, I, I, I wasn't the biggest fan the first season, but he really grew into a good character. I felt like in a second and third season. Well, I think when he actually becomes Arsenal, I think I think that was the difference. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've also apparently um, that that hashtag show is now reporting that they have gotten wind of casting calls going on for the Titans. Team. TV show, and apparently they're casting two roles. One is the acolyte, male, African-American, 40-50, confident, villain of the story. He's after Rachel and her powers, which, by the way, if you don't know, Rachel is the is the you know real-life identity of Raven, and trying to connect her after he murders her mother. And then they're also casting Rachel's mother, Angela, female, 40-50s. So uh, that's led to some speculation, and I have to agree with it, that if he's called the acolyte, he has to be an acolyte to someone. Yeah. And so that's seriously suggests that maybe a big bad throwing around the background might be Trigon, you know, Raven's daddy. So that would be interesting. I I would be very interesting that they're going they're going Trigon like in the first season. Yeah, I mean I was a little taken aback by that too because I mean I kind of feel like if you're gonna do Trigon right, it's you know it's got to have some it's got to be kind of CG heavy to some degree. And I kind of felt like well I don't want them to have to be dependent on that you know with this show. But then if you kind of think about it, if you really want to introduce Raven properly, you kind of need to tell that story. Yeah, yeah. I mean. They even did that in the uh, Justice League versus Teen Titans animated movie. They introduced Raven and made Trigon the bad guy. Right. And he, maybe you don't have to go CG heavy. You know, you could go like Hellboy level makeup and and do a good Trigon. I think when he's not like I am Trigon demon. You know, he you, you could make him human size, but you know, like I said, Hellboy makeup that 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 would work. Yeah, I'm still really intrigued about this show. I just I'm uh, I, I just I have really no idea what to expect because it's not like it's not like Krypton is going to be on like sci-fi or 
you know. It's not going to be the CW. It's not so going to be CW. It's not going to be like when Titans was originally supposed to be on TNT. Um, you you kind of know what to expect with those types of network shows. Like, I don't know what this is going to be like with this new Warner Brothers like streaming service of some sort. Uh, actually, it's not Warner Brothers. It's like DC, right? It's a DC streaming yeah. site. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, well. Okay. Well, now we're just kind of getting sort of like the, the hodgepodge section of the news, which is kind of, which we haven't done in a while. We haven't done hodgepodge in a while. No, we haven't. But uh, apparently, uh, Kevin Conroy was talking at Wizard World Nashville, and his comment, apparently he was asked about any future Arkham games, and his comment was, I can't believe that they're not going to do another one, but they're not. Isn't that amazing? They made literally billions of dollars in those games, but no, there's no plans to do another one. Sorry. Well, I, I'm of two minds of this. As someone who has played all three games, well, technically all four games, but only three of which had Kevin Conroy, uh, love them. But after you finish Arkham Knight, I felt like they kind of put a cap on it, and I'm I'm okay with the idea of there not being more Arkham games. Now, if they made another one, would I buy it? Hell yes. Of course I would. But I would like to do something else. You know, maybe get Rocksteady to make, like, a good Superman game for once. Well, that's the thing. Like, I, I kind of feel like uh, that was kind of, like, where my head was at. And I'm sorry to kind of cut you off, but, like, I'm okay with kind of what they did with the Arkham games. Um, But I would really like to say that, you know, that same creative team, like, actually put out a good Superman game. That would just be incredible. Break the Superman curse. Yeah, break the Superman curse when it comes to video games. You just haven't quite had it. No. The closest I've come, and I have nostalgia value, was for the Super Nintendo, the Death and Return of Superman. I like that game. I do. But it's the only Superman game I've actually enjoyed. So uh, give me a good one, Rocksteady. Do what you did for Batman. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, cool. Well, um, I guess we kind of have to end this episode just talking about kind of some sad news here. I know. But, you know, it's sad but happy because the man the man led a good life. He did, yes. We're talking about Lynn Ween. Uh, famous. I mean, the man has touched the comic book industry in so many different ways. He co-created Wolverine. He co-created the new X-Men, which was, you know, Nightcrawler Storm, Wolverine, you know, basically he brought in the new team that replaced the original X-Men team uh, with Bernie Wrightson, who just passed away a few months ago. He co-created Swamp Thing. And for you Batman fans, he was the co-creator of Lucius Fox. Wow. That's so much for one man to have done. Yeah. And I remember him so much as being like an editor as well for a lot of the DC books that I read. And uh, of course, he was tied to Watchmen, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, and New Teen Titans. The New Teen Titans, yeah. yeah. Batman and the Outsiders. So, um, you know, it's so weird, you know, just a lot of these like names that I just got to know as a little kid and all that, you know, you're starting to see some of these characters pass away and it's like so sad, you know. He even wrote an episode of Batman the Animated Series. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, the werewolf episode. Okay. That Night of the Wolf or something. It was a good episode, actually. Um, and then Grant Morrison was on Twitter and of co- and was, of course, lamenting his passing. And he basically credited Lynn Ween for the DC British invasion of the 80s when they brought over right. Grant Morrison and Alan Moore and Neil Gaiman and basically kind of started the whole Vertigo thing going. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grant Morrison basically gave props to Lynn Ween as the editor at the time to kind of get that ball rolling. What a huge move for DC at the Gosh. time. And what what amazing, what, what impactful books those were. Yeah, definitely. I mean, to this day, I mean, obviously, I mean, we're, we're talking about Doomsday Clock, <laughs> DC Comics right now. I know, I yeah. know. And, and, and um, okay, slight spoiler for Metal, but there's some Neil Gaiman connections in Metal. I'm just saying. So, well, anyway, so yeah, I agree. Uh, lived a great life and, you know, just at this point, you can do nothing but just celebrate the all the great things he gave us while he was here. Well, guys, that's it for this week's podcast. We want to thank you so much for listening. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, and I was just so happy about this, Scott. We just had had a lot of fun stuff to talk about tonight. I know. I, I mean, hopefully, we're a little bit more energetic than we were last week. Well, because we actually cared about what we were talking about, and neither one of us are as sick as we were last week. Yeah, we were both a little sick. It was just, it was like the, uh, everything just kind of came together in the wrong direction. Um, yes. But guys, if you want to reach us, reach us out on Twitter, at Suicide Squadcast, and you can reach me on Twitter individually at Alan Fire. Right, and then you can reach me at ScottDC27, and you can always email the show at SuicideSquadcast at gmail.com. We love to hear from you guys, so don't hesitate to reach out to us. Uh, guys, we also have uh, a webpage, www.SuicideSquadcast.com. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube at the Suicide Squadcast Network. Not big contributors there, but we post some things occasionally. Yeah, and that's going to be it for this week. So guys, we want to thank you all for listening, and as we always like to say, keep reading DC. See you guys later.
So, Tim, you know, we try to get Andy DiGenova on our show tonight. That would have been so cool. That yeah, would have been real cool. I, I, what I don't understand is like, okay, I don't care, Andy, that you're in the middle of actually recording your show. When I see you pop up on Skype and, uh, you know, I send you a little message, say, hey, why don't you jump on with us? I mean, I, I, I honestly, I kind of expect you to just kind of drop what you're doing and jump on the Suicide Squadcast. I mean, seriously, Scott. I mean, I know, you know, Tim Rooney was recording with him from the Anything Goes podcast. You know, Tim, we could have, we're not averse to other Tims coming on the show. It has happened. It has happened. We could have had you all on, but no, no, you had to go and play in your own little sandbox. Well, I see how it is. Yeah, guys, you know, this is the way it works. If you don't want to come play in our sandbox, let me just tell you this. We do not like other sandboxes. Boom. Now, are you going to tell me to quit because you screwed something up already? F*** you. There's the Tim I know and love. That's right. I'm back. I'm back, baby. All right, so... <laughs> Guess who's back? Guess who's back? <laughs> Guess who's back? This one's going to be a little different because I uh, I stole a monitor from work to bring it home because I'm working all weekend, and it's just so hard to do it on a laptop. So I, I got this big monitor in front of me now, and so I don't normally have something that my voice can bounce off of, so hopefully this doesn't sound worse. There you go. You're you're, screw- you're already screwing with the production quality. I'm, I'm... No, I'm, I'm hypersensitive to production quality. You know me. I know. Now you're screwing with it. Stop it. Well, it's either that or I could like actually walk around my desk and put the monitor on the floor, which would require uh, a certain amount of work. Lazy ass. Uh, that's That would be one way of characterizing it. <laughs> Okay, so are are you gonna seriously just sit there and keep chewing while I'm trying to sit here and record our podcast episode? Like, like seriously, as I'm sitting here talking, am I gonna be hearing you chewing on food? Now you know how it feels like on my end. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> we can continue now. <laughs> have you have you have you uh, fulfilled your like cravings at this point? No, but I, I I will I I can I can hold off a little bit longer. Do I need to tell you how busy I am right now? You have a two-hour drive. You can listen to a podcast. I'm just saying. It's it's my time to unwind. It's my time to de-stress. And, and you can listen to your friends talk. I, I, I'd, I like to. I do at times. I just don't listen to every one of them just because like sometimes I just need to listen to music. Oh, well. I'm listening to bondage fiction, so it's okay. Bondage fiction? <laughs> Which one? I, 